Welcome to Radio Utopistan. So good you're here again for a new constructive story. How did you like the last two episodes on how to protect nature? Tell us. We're always happy to hear from you. Or tell us how do you protect nature maybe? What's your small or big utopia here? We'd love to know. My name is Elisabeth Weid. I'm a journalist working on topics around natural resources and social movements. Radio Utopistan, we are a non-profit organization interconnecting visionary people and bold ideas from around the world, online and offline. Today we talk about coding in Tanzania. And I have to admit, coding, IT, AI or such things to me sound very much like nerd stuff. But people who know how to handle them, they will play a big role in our future, as almost everything is done and organized more or less digitally. Health systems around the world, banking systems anyway, education, traveling, and even agriculture more and more. So, dear nerds, please build something helpful. And everywhere in this field, women are underrepresented. But as we know, diversity doesn't only look good on company ads and social media accounts, but actually produces better products and creates more revenue. So our guest today is Caroline Echarisema in Dar es Salaam. She founded Apps and Girls in Tanzania in Eastern Africa, an organization that is teaching girls how to code and how to use IT and technology to get their voices heard and ideas out into the world. When she founded the NGO in 2014, she was pregnant. Today, she has four kids and 11 employees. Yeah, let that sink in. So in the last eight years, more than 100,000 girls learned about the power of IT with apps and girls. I heard about Caroline from a colleague who was in Tanzania and doing a story about apps and girls. He made the connection. So thank you, Fabian, and thank you, Caroline. They have big dreams, so I, given enough resources, I see all those dreams coming to life. And if we empower people with technology and they are aware on how to utilize them for their own benefit, also for the benefit of the community, it's easier to work towards eradicating poverty and also different challenges, especially in developing communities. We talked via video call. It was early morning in her office in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania and in the middle of the night where I was in Mexico visiting one of my brothers, Both IT guys and both often have to solve my computer problems. Yeah, for me, technology really is something that just has to work. And if it doesn't, I get frustrated and angry and call one of them. But Caroline, she really managed to give me a different angle on how technology can actually be fun and even more how empowering it can be. Dar es Salaam is the former political capital of Tanzania. Now it's the cultural and economical capital. There is a suburb even called Silicon Dar, like Silicon Valley, with many IT startups for financing, tourism or education or others. And Apps and Girls is providing them with qualified and enthusiastic IT experts. In 2020, Caroline was awarded the Prize for Capacity Building at the UN World Summit for the Information Society. Here 
now, she told me the story on how she managed to build her organization, starting with voluntary teaching sessions in her living room. How it is still not easy to get funding, but how they do it anyway. And what Europe could learn from Africa tech-wise. And most of all, how coding can be a superpower. Ever since I learned coding, that was at university. I was this type of girl who you have a passion to do something, but to change something, I didn't have that ability to do that. So when I learned coding and I started developing apps, I started developing apps, and that made me feel like I could create something of my own. I could shape, I could change something using just my expertise, the coding skills that I have. So when I'm teaching these young girls, of course, I tell them coding is a superpower because in our communities, most female or girls' voices are not heard. And also at a young age, nobody will look at a girl child's contribution to societal development or in decision-making. Nobody will do so. But that girl can use that superpower that she has to create an app, to create something and put it to the world and people use it and change different perspectives and change the way things are, are being done. So that's why I call it a superpower because it's owned by that individual who has it and there's nobody who has control over it. There's nobody who is going to limit your, your skills. It's just you, you have them. And, and that's why like Apps and Girls motto is creating a digital generation and empowering girls to create the world they want to live in. So they, like, they have the ability to, to think, I just want my country to be this way. I want our voices to be heard in this way. I want this to be solved in this way because that's the best solution I see because this problem is affecting me. So that ability, that's why I, I regard it as a superpower. Yeah, and it sounds beautiful that it helps you to create the world that you are living in. That really sounds like a superpower. Can you give some example maybe so that you can imagine a bit better what did the girls develop, for example? What, what kind of superpower or what part of the world could they construct? Okay, so I'll give an example of one girl. She's called Modesta. And I met her when she was 14 years old in a public school. And by then, Modesta used to, she, she's just from an ordinary family, low income family. So she, she used to go to a public school. And so when we met and she joined the Apps and Girls program, and she was able to understand that she could change something, she could make things that can and create a better environment for her fellow girls and also for herself, she didn't stop. So Modesta, she used to experience harassments during public transit. You know, here in Tanzania, we have public transit. We have buses of which um, the students pay just, I think, like a third of a dollar for transport. And then the adults pay a little bit higher. So what happens is that The, the bus conductors, they don't want to take the students because they pay less. And if you can Google, you can, you can see the situation. They are called daladalas. 
like they are all crowded. People sit and others stand up in the corridor. So like a bus of 24 people, you find it has like 60 people. They're all in one bus, just, you know. So what happens is that most girls, if they are not denied to enter in the bus because they, they pay less, they are likely to be harassed because they are in the environment of adults who have different uh, motives, different mindsets, yeah? And some, they would sexually harass them, touch them. During the hustle of entering into the bus, the bus conductors would push them away and some would get hurt and some would use abusive words. So having experienced that, she felt like it should change. So she created a platform for girls to speak out, to report those harassments, those abuses that were happening. The platform really did well. And there were many, many girls responding. They were reporting a lot, a lot of stuff. And then she realized, I think I need to create something which I don't need to depend on the government to take action. And she realized, actually, girls, some of them didn't know that if you don't give consent, it is something bad. It's not acceptable. They didn't know that there are some touches. If someone touches your breast, someone touches your butt, someone touches, it's not acceptable. You have a right to say no. She has focused her energy on creating awareness. You need to speak out. This is bad. This is how you respond to it. And this situation is not acceptable. And you should avoid such environments. And here are the places where you have to go to if this happens. Caroline recorded herself in Dar es Salaam with her phone. And sometimes the internet left us. So sometimes the sound quality is all right and sometimes a bit scratchy. Funny and sometimes frustrating for a story on IT and technology. Hope you enjoy it anyway. I definitely enjoyed Caroline's enthusiasm coming through from the other side of the big ocean between Africa and the Americas. So, her student Modesta first created a platform where girls could report sexual harassment on public buses. It went well. Many girls reported many ugly things. The government said, great idea, thank you, we'll do something about it. But they never really did anything. They didn't prosecute the perpetrators or put up security guards. So Modesta, Caroline's student, she created another platform, one that is educating girls about their rights. And that again is going very well. Many girls learning many helpful things, especially how to speak up. So I wanted to know what Caroline's story is. How did she learn to code and to speak up? Originally, I'm from Uganda. I was born and raised in Uganda and was educated in Uganda. And actually, my dream since when I was a child was to be a doctor. And uh-huh. that's something that I was only looking up to. And I was really passionate about being a doctor because I really wanted to to help people. Yeah, but so when I finished my high school... I was not able to to go for medicine. Instead, I was 
offered a scholarship in uh, Kampala International University to study. Actually, I remember that day I went back home crying, like, I don't, I'm not going to do medicine. I don't know any other course that I can choose from. And then the next day I went back, I saw that like, the courses and one of them was written computer science. And I was like, yeah, this one has a science. I think I'm going to find all those things that I was passionate about in this course. So I, I went for that one. But surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly, there was nothing like biology, like chemistry, there was nothing. <laughs> so when I finished and I graduated, indeed, yeah, I, I, I passed very well. And they were actually, they were open spots for being an assistant lecturer as you pursue your master's. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And I, I chose to come to Tanzania. And then I started working. I started teaching the basic coding to, of course, to like certificate level university students as I was doing my master's in information systems. And also I was handling the, the whole university examination database. So, but again, now I started becoming exposed. That's, that's the time when, like, in Tanzania, innovation was starting to kick off. Like, there were a lot of hackathons. I remember there were some uh, organizations and companies from Germany, actually. That's when I, I got to know, like, I can, I can code something and actually take it to the market and implement it. And even, like, grow it into something, create a company, do that. Yeah, I was doing that and I became more and more and more passionate. But the challenge that during that process when we were participating, when we were pitching, like mostly would find like we are on like two girls doing that. The rest are just guys from universities, from like graduates, from companies. It's just dominated by males. Like even like a few girls who would be there, they would just be in the back of uh, of male coders. They're they're just doing maybe the the designing. They're not coding it. So I I used to feel bad, yeah. And some people would sometimes ask, where are the girls? Where are your fellow girls? Why aren't they participating? Like I didn't have an answer. But again, taking it back to where I was working, it's the same was happening given to the classes that I was teaching. I was teaching programming and you find like in the class out of 40 people, you just have five girls. Because like, come on, I'm able to do these things. And honestly, it's not that they are hard. It just needs just investment of an amount of time and then everything, you got it. But I used to feel bad, like, why aren't we having more girls or women in this field? So it was, those were one of the, of the key things that really pushed me to, to start this. Like, the first step that I took, I was like, okay, so I, I think we need to have more women doing these things. So I went to universities, to the neighboring universities. I got five university students from two different universities. And... And then I was like, okay, ladies, we need to, to start creating our own application, specifically for women. And then I was like, yeah, everyone was on board. <laughs> and we had our first meeting. We're all energetic. So the next meeting, I only saw three who turned up. 
And the other meeting, nobody really turned up again, like the dream died. And it was really sad. It was, it was really sad. One question in between, because what I got is some people were cheating, they stole your idea, then people didn't show up and some other things didn't work and you were really sad. How did you keep going? It also sounds like it's over years and years and years that you are, that you are fighting for that idea. How did you get your motivation from and where, where is that energy coming from? Okay, um, so uh, I think um, all that was happening because like, uh, I hadn't really figured out really on how I would encourage more young people or more women yeah, to engage in the IT field. And so I was like, I think that phase is when like uh, I was just following my instincts. Try this. <laughs> Maybe you should yeah. do this. Maybe this approach is going to work. Yeah, these ones didn't turn out. Maybe you should organize a women uh, web design workshop. So I organized that. And the turn up was really good. But then after the training, the question was, and then what then? These people are already working in tech companies. Others are in universities studying tech-related courses. So what next? But the goal is to have more uh, young women who are not only studying, but who are creating things. Because I just wanted to see women in the ecosystem and driving change. But... When I come back to the group that I had, like most of them, like you felt like so comfortable just working. And I don't know if it's the effect of stereotypes or not what, like there's a lot, they needed a lot to really motivate them wow. or to convince them to start taking initiative, you know, and putting their skills to work. So I was like, yeah. I think I should start them when they are still young so they get a better understanding Now I remembered myself, like I didn't know anything about computers. I was like, perhaps we should start with the young ones who are still in secondary school before they figure out, like start to help them figure out to choose something they're really passionate about and they start working on it now. Um, that's when we'll be able to create um, like role models who have done things in the community. So I went straight to the neighboring school next to my place. I recruited 20 girls and I brought them to the sitting room, uh, the living room, it started. If you see our Facebook, you see like the pictures when we were starting. Oh my God, they are so miserable. <laughs> yeah, but it was really fun. And when I brought those girls, I went to my friends at the, at the university and also my boyfriend was in take two, so he gathered laptops from uh, his friends and so every Thursday I remember we were doing it every Thursday in the evening would borrow laptops from people and bring them to the living room and start teaching them and it's like it was like a trial like let me see if a secondary school girl from a public school who has never touched a computer if she's able uh -huh. to to code something but Elizabeth it was one of the most amazing and surprising uh, thing that I've ever done like everything was like fine yeah. I'm like wow I was really amazed and like this is now what I'm talking about this is all that I wanted from the beginning Then she reached out to other schools. She went there in her free time and taught coding. 
but it wasn't easy, she said. Everything with computer and IT was looked as something shady, something related to porn or crime even. That time, around 2013 and 14, there were no examples around of IT startups or young girls being able to actually create software. Neither the schools, nor the parents, nor the investors, no one really believed in her idea. But when some girls actually really learned coding and came up with their first websites, people were amazed, she remembers. When you see someone didn't know anything and you see her smile that she's able to do something and she's so happy and her mindset is changed, now that one kept driving me and helping me to be more passionate and believing in my vision. And then in 2014, that was 20, 2014, yeah. So in 2015, then is when I actually, we, we got funding and go to many schools. And that's when I met like Modesta. I started having a few volunteers and things started growing. And when we organized the first competition, that was 2015, yeah, I think. And the girls worked really so hard. And they developed, by then they were developing websites and they had amazing solutions which I had never imagined. Wow. I was like, wow, this has to live on. <laughs> yeah. And that's when the public started engaging, uh, inviting them in those uh, events and they witnessed what exactly the girls were working on and the mindset started changing. And, of course, we took initiative even to visit some parents to their homes to literally to explain what exactly we wanted to do. This is an amazing story. And also that you had to convince all those people. Really impressive. And now, how is Apps and Girls working now? Now, since eight years, you are operating, right? And actually, something that I forgot to mention is that when now as Doing all that before God funding, where I was using my own resources <laughs> and the money, and I was like, we were getting broke, and they're like, okay, we need to find something which can bring income, and they're like, what if we started yeah. training women, older women, giving them digital literacy skills, and they could pay, at least they pay $10 each, and... We started recruitment and we were surprised that the women came so many and they paid the $10 each for four weeks, I think, if I'm to remember. So every evening they would be there. You know, that includes primary school teachers, housewives who had just shops, these nurses. They were all coming to study. We actually were the ones who introduced most of them to Facebook, to social media, and, and teaching them how to Google. And up to now, sometimes I get messages from them from Facebook. It's <laughs> but back to your question. Uh, right now, I'm really, I'm really, really thankful and proud of Absent Girls because Absent Girls is now operating in Tanzania and operating in Uganda too. And we create coding clubs in schools whereby every week the girls in those clubs, they are taught coding, which ranges from web design to robotics to mobile app development, the basic ones. And also we introduce them to, we incorporate 
entrepreneurship so that they're able to utilize the tech skills they have and the business parts and create innovations which are solving community problems, but they're generating income for them. Um, so, and apart from that, we also have a program for out-of-school girls, which we didn't have before. Having realized like some of the girls uh, in the community, they don't make it higher learning levels of education due to maybe they got pregnant or financial reasons. Uh-huh or medical staff, any a lot happens which hinder them from achieving their higher learning education. So we started a program for them which specifically focuses on giving them the skills that can help them get formal employment. For instance, some focus on uh, becoming graphic designers, others focus on becoming web designers and administrators, others, if they are really so smart and... Maybe they dropped out at the university level, so some end up being in mobile application development class, whereby after that they're able to get employment. Uh, but also there are others who choose to just uh, create their own startups and employ themselves. But apart from that, Axangals also focuses on providing mentorship and incubation for young women, whereby we have a of mentors who support these girls when they come up with different tech-driven ideas. Yeah, so right now, Apps and Girls in Tanzania operates in 16 regions, and whereby we have more than 190 schools that we are working with. It's, it's a huge jump from your living room eight years ago and now going to all those schools in different countries organizing hackathons and conferences and it sounds huge. How is the, the funding working? You said some tech companies are giving you money or is it also coming from NGOs or are, are the governments even paying? Um, Absengas has a team of 11 people who are full-time. But we work with volunteers, like we have volunteers, like a pool of volunteers of 20 mentors. And we have, in those schools, we have trainers. So like a total of 50, 56 uh, trainers, of which some of them are teachers and others are university students who handle the, the schools in different areas. Yeah. And um, with regard to funding, it's a shame that the government has never given us any funding. Um, you know, it's hard as an organization to get funding, which even covers your overheads. Most funders, they just focus on their project. They don't want to know about your rent. They don't want to know about your utilities. And the It sounds like a struggle. It is a struggle. It is a struggle. And because I'm the, I'm the person who... Manage that and, oh my God, it's really difficult. Yeah, and that's why her first and biggest advice to other organizations who have big dreams and want to build something is, before you start operating and spending money, you should focus on finding sustainability for the organization, she says. Meaning, some kind of money or income or strategy. Most of their funding now, for example, is coming from a telecom company. I remember, like, there's a time when we were about to close. Like, we didn't receive funding for, like, almost a whole year. And wow. we were literally, like, closing. And yeah. when I started, I was just filled with passion. 
you know, passion to create change, to create change, but I wasn't thinking about the money part, you know, the sustainability, yeah, like fundraising, like planning it really well. I was just focused in the field. I was always in the field and once in a while looking for money and which was almost costing us. The money is important. Everything needs money. <laughs> So sad. Even when you're doing good, it needs money. <laughs> yeah, and I I cannot imagine how hard it must be in a country like Tanzania, where the government is not supporting things like that, to start something and to keep it going for so many years. So, fingers crossed that also the next years you will always find someone funding you. And we will put everything in the show notes. So. Maybe some of our listeners have ideas or even want to support it. Uh, let's go back to your topic like coding and IT. It's really, it's so not my topic. I, I think I'm one of the girls you should teach. <laughs> But what I understood is that in, in Tanzania and also in other countries in Africa, for example, this uh, pay by smartphone is so much more used than, than in Europe and also other things. It's, it's, everything is happening on the phone, yeah? And not so much in Europe. Where do you see the differences and maybe something Europe could learn from an IT approach in Tanzania? Uh, okay. Um, uh, to be honest, like, um, for instance, we, we focus on um, mobile money payments. I feel like it's it's been like it has revolutionized everything and it's made life so much easier, so much easier. And there are some people who even don't need to own bank accounts, but they just they can rely on mobile money payments because it's so simple that even someone who is not educated is able to use it. Even without, yeah, without trainings, just the simple instructions. I feel like it's needed everywhere because, like, when I visited Germany, like, to find where to, like, to go to the bank, you have to drive out certain, uh, certain distance to access the ATM. I don't know. I may not be the right person to talk much about it, but I feel like the mobile money payment gives you flexibility. At any time, at any hour, you can use it. You can pay someone, you can buy something, you can send someone money. You can, you know, it's easy. And the beauty part of it is that even it's cross-country. Like, I send money to Uganda, I receive money from Uganda, an instant. I don't need to go to the bank like before, yeah. uh, like before we used the Western Union, uh, which is stressful. And also, if someone is doing business, Uh, such processes are likely to make that person lose customers because of the hassle that is involved. But yeah, with this that is, we are using in Africa, I feel like it's something which we keep growing and it's really, it has really changed people's lives and it is also helping many businesses to grow because I know someone who has a microfinance and it is just done via mobile payment. Yeah. Everything is on instant. Once the field agent approves, just money is is just transferred to the to the account immediately. There's no hassles. There's no, you know. So and even innovations which are coming up, they are also adapting that. So which is making like the lives 
is a yes. Dr. Caroline, <laughs> questions I, I always ask everybody. As we are ready, Utopistan, what's your utopia? What's your vision for the future, for your field? If you can dream, no obstacles, nothing, enough money, enough people to support you, what's your utopia? <laughs> wow, okay, so I dream of Arts and Girls becoming a Pan-African organization that is reaching to every girl and giving them the chance to, to utilize technology to, to create different solutions, changing the community, but also it doesn't matter if she doesn't choose to study tech on university, but as long as she's uh, digitally empowered, that makes it easy for her in the industrial revolution, which is driven by STEM, to be able to participate and confidently participate in different decision makings and discussions and not be left behind. So I see like apps and girls are reaching there, being the leading organization that is supporting women in developing startups. I feel I see female developed big startups, which I used in different countries being developed from or by these women. I know the challenge has been like funding even for them when they come up with ideas and they don't have support. But with given enough support, I see like a thousand of women, female developed uh, solutions in the market and creating change and generating revenues and creating a better world. Also, like I see apps and girls having maker spaces because these girls are also passionate about making devices, not only apps. I, I see like very equipped maker spaces in different areas supporting these dreams of young people, bringing out or putting devices to the market. So they have big dreams. So I, given enough resources, I see all those dreams coming to life. And with all that, then we see uh, reduced stereotypes, you know, uh, the way women are looked at in the tech sector, and we see better payment or equal pay being exercised in different companies without considering the gender, but just the skill. So, yeah, I just see like apps and girls operating in many, many more countries in Africa, even beyond. Sounds like a beautiful utopia. Did you actually ever regret not becoming a doctor, Dr. Caroline? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so happy and I've never looked back. <laughs> Sweet, yes. And one can hear the passion coming through your words when you talk about it. So that's beautiful. Do you have anything to add, anything that's super important that we should, no one should forget or that we didn't talk about? Okay, um, of course, one thing that I wish everybody to know is that technology doesn't choose the age, financial situation, uh, whether someone is rich or poor, as long as you have the passion, that person is supported, they're able to excel regardless of their background, regardless of their gender, regardless of their age, they are able to utilize technology and create better better things. Yeah, so it's not gender sensitive. It doesn't have an economical divide, but if people are provided with the right resources, they are able to create better things. But it's an enabler also to success. 
if we want a world whereby we don't have uh, many poor people, a world whereby we don't have, I mean, we don't have this economical divide and a lot of, of issues that are coming up, if we empower people with technology and they are aware on how to utilize them for their own benefit, also for the benefit of the community, it's easier to work towards eradicating poverty and also different challenges, especially in developing communities, because many yeah. people miss out opportunities because they are digitally illiterate. Yeah, so thank you for working in that field and to bringing more girls into that field. Thank you too for taking time to to speak to me and hear my story. And now that you call me Dr. Caroline, I think I think you're making me motivated to go do a PhD so that I can achieve that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. You already achieved so much, so why not just make a PhD? <laughs> I told a friend the story of Caroline and she said, Oh my God, I have no kids, let alone four, no business, let alone one with 11 employees, no movement started, let alone a tech movement for girls in Tanzania. It makes me feel like a failure. Yeah, maybe. But can't it also be an inspiration to see what's possible, what kind of amazing people are out there who, quote, create the world they want to live in, like the claim of absent girls. And you can also do that, create the world you want to live in. Maybe not within an entire industry, but maybe in your office, your fridge or your friendships. Or big data. Caroline is concerned that worldwide there are only a few companies holding almost all our data in their hands. That's scary, she says. No privacy no more. So next year, Apps and Girls will offer courses on that. And maybe somebody will come up with a startup to secure your data, with alternative platforms where you don't have to give away all your data to use them. And maybe you already know an autopista working on this. Tell us, we're happy to share more ideas on tech. And tell us about your utopias. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, talking about the big tech companies. Yeah, yeah. Or share it with your friends and family and whoever could need some utopian inspiration these days. You could also leave us some euros or pesos or whatever on our website or on Patreon so we can stay independent and sustainable. Yeah, like Caroline, we rather produce content than money. But we are working on it. So see you soon. My name is Elisabeth White, the Radio Topistan team for this episode are editor and executive producer Charlotte Horn and Christina Femibus, music Robert Pilgrim, sound fixing Andres Galarza, IT one of my brothers Johannes White, and accounting Elena White. I leave you with the sound of Caroline's living room. That's her favorite spot in Dar es Salaam. I asked for it and she sent it to me and I'll send it to you. Enjoy and bye-bye.